0: Welcome back. Session four of our Ready to Launch study. We're going to be looking at Psalm 127, specifically verses four and five that tell us that our children, the next generation, are like arrows in the hand of a mighty warrior, which we launch out into the battle that God has set before us.
1: We're also going to talk about how helicopter parenting and our safety-obsessed culture doesn't just um, harm your kids sort of socially, but it can also stunt the development of God's plan in their life.
0: Parenting, gospel-centered parenting, is not just a list of do's and don'ts. It's not just how to, to discipline your child into the, into, into the ideal format. It's also about capturing their heart for the, for the mission of God. I'm going to explain how engaging our, our the next generation early in the mission of God is the key to capturing their heart and how following Jesus becomes a passion and an obsession for them. Uh, we got a lot to get to. We're really excited about it. So let's dive in. So in session one, we saw that uh, the Psalm 127 opens up by saying unless the Lord builds the house, those who build it labor in vain, we have to learn um, to have God's mind and approach toward raising our children. Session two, we learned from Psalm 127 that our children are like an inheritance that's been given to us that we leave behind for future generations. Uh, in session three, we saw that Psalm 127 was addressed to two different audiences. Um, one is the family and the other is the, the, the church. And that corresponds to the two gardens in which we have to raise our children. Um, in session four, I want us to focus on verses four and five of Psalm 127. It says this, Like arrows in the hand of a warrior are the children of one's youth. Blessed is the man who fills his quiver with them. Like arrows in the hand of of a warrior, a mighty warrior. That's what children are like. So what is, think about this, what is the purpose of an arrow? Jim Elliott, who was a um, was a, a rather famous missionary in the 1950s, he was martyred on the, the beaches of Ecuador. Um, Jim Elliott wrote this letter to his mom and dad when he decided to forego this very promising career he had in business and instead, um, follow what he believed God's will to be for his life, and that is to to be a missionary. Uh, He wrote this letter to his parents, and he said this, listen, I do not wonder that you were saddened at the word of my going to South America, but remember how the psalmist described children? He said that they were as a heritage from the Lord and that every man should be happy who had his quiver full of them. And what is a quiver full of but arrows, and what are arrows for but to shoot? So with the string, with the strong arms of prayer, draw the bowstring back and let the arrows fly, all of them straight at the enemy's hosts. In other words, parents, you've got to ask yourself a question. Why did God give me these kids? Did he give them to me as, I mean, accessories for my life? Did he give them to me as things that I were supposed to enjoy for the rest of my life? Or is the psalmist telling us that God gave us our children for the purpose of mission? And our goal from the very beginning is to draw them back with that string of faith and to release them into the heart of the enemy, which is where an arrow is supposed to be. Um, in order to do that, you have to have that end, um, end game in your mind from the very beginning, and you have to be willing the whole time to let go. Because that's, what, that's the only way that an arrow flies is that you you pull it back and then you take your hands off of it. And if you start with that assumption at the beginning, it shapes how you are approaching parenting.
1: It's a lot easier said than done. I mean, that's that's a that's a really hard concept, especially in our safety-obsessed culture. Like, um, I mean, you know, we, you see all kinds of things. You can, if I read funny things before about how different our childhoods were than today. And um, some of that is good. I mean, helmets are a good thing. You know, none of us wore them when we were driving uh, we've bikes. We've lost but, a lot
0: with that whole you can't sit in the back of the station wagon and look out <laughs> the other way without a seatbelt. Yeah, great like example,
1: was, okay. Look. But so some of it is good. I don't want to paint it all with the same brush. But um, Reggie Joyner, we talked about him once before, that he said something that I thought was really good. It is possible to hold on to our kids so tightly that we forget the ultimate goal of parenting is to let go. Hmm. Many of us are fine if our children never climb a mountain as long as it guarantees that they never get hurt. What if your children though were made for the mountains? The ultimate mission of the family is not to protect your children from all harm, but to mobilize them for the mission of God.
0: I mean, think about that. What if your kids, what if God made your kid for the mountains and because you and I would not take our hands off of them, um, we keep them from becoming what God wants them to be. I mean, the nature of an arrow is there's danger involved. Mm -hmm. And I hope you realize we're not advocating some kind of cavalier approach to parenting where you ignore safety things. That really has nothing to do with it. It's just this idea that that the ultimate goal of parenting is to let go, to launch them into the mission of God. And let me give you guys what I consider to be a little parenting secret. The way to engage your kids' hearts for God is to engage them early in the mission of God. Because if they're designed to be an arrow, they're designed for something larger than themselves, then the way that you, you know, help them do what God has for them is to show them early that life is not about them and that God has an adventure, has a mission for them to be involved in. Um, I, was, uh, uh, I heard a, a, a story of a pastor um, who had a guy in his church come up to him who was, um, his daughter just become a teenager, and he said, Man, I feel like I'm losing her. Um, she's hanging out with the wrong people. She's dating a guy. I don't want her to date. And she's dressing all goth and weird, and, and she didn't want to come to church. Um, so this dad's response to his daughter was to yell at her, um, was to punish her, and then take away privileges, and then make her come to church. Um, well, this pastor um, responds, and Reggie Joyner recounts this in his book here. Um, he said, he told this, this dad, I think what your daughter is doing is choosing a better story. You see, we're all designed to live inside a story. Your daughter was designed to play a role in a story. In the story she has chosen, there's risk, there's adventure and pleasure. She's wanted, she's desired. But in your story, she's yelled at. She feels guilty and she feels unwanted. She's just choosing a story that is better than the one that you're providing. Plus, in the midst of placing her in this awful story, you make her go to church. So you're associating a bad, boring story with God who actually has a great story. Don't do that anymore. You've got to tell a better story. Well, this totally inspired this dad. And so he found out that his church was involved in this ministry down in South America, involving an orphanage. So he came home one, one, one evening and said, we're going to make this our family's kind of special project. He said, pulled out a whiteboard and said, what can we do? And he said even his daughter started to give ideas about you know, how we could raise money. And um, he said his kids started to pray for, for, for them. They took mission trips down there. They wrote letters. He said somewhere in the course of a nine or ten month you know, kind of journey, he said somewhere subtly without any fanfare, he said, my daughter broke up with this boyfriend, quit hanging out with those friends, started to get more interested in church, changed the way that she dressed and looked because she had been told a a more compelling story. You see, when God has designed your kid to be an arrow and you instead treat them like a piece of furniture or a piece of art that you got to hold in your house, not only are you keeping them from the mission that God has for them, you're actually making their heart cold toward God altogether. You know, so I think the key thing is, is to figure out how at every stage of your child's life, you can get them engaged in the mission of God.
1: Yeah, I mean, you know, in our church, we we have things that we've tried to, Think through and how they might help. We do um, the projects that families can do together every year. Like at a, it's a very accessible place. Uh, accessible. Serving the
0: community together as a family.
1: Right. Um, for our fifth and sixth graders, you know, we do a mission trip geared specifically for towards them. We've definitely thought through how to help you get your family into the story of God.
0: We encourage, um, you know, people, uh, our students, to be involved at various stages with kids that are younger than them. So it's not just people that are you know young professionals that are engaged in in the kids and student ministries, it's just older teenagers and and middle school students even. Uh, We even think about this with our babysitters. Um, We want our babysitters to be um, people that have risked their life for the kingdom of God around the world.
1: Bedtime stories, adventures in Central Asia.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, uh, because we just want our kids captivated by the idea that God has something bigger and better for them than simply uh, thinking that it's all about them. Uh, You know, when I see um, parents at our church who treat the church like consumers, and they come and they just, you know, they, they consume religious services and they leave. I mean, it breaks my heart because not only are they dishonoring God through that, they're actually um, turning their kids off to Christianity because Christianity was never designed to be something we consumed. It was designed to be a mission and an adventure. And when you treat it like a consumer, you're dulling your child's heart to the adventure of, of mission and faith that God intended for them. Sometimes this really makes me afraid when I look at a church full of people Um, who treat the church like consumers, where they come, they sit down, they consume religious services, and they go about their lives. And I want to tell these parents, it's not that you're harming yourself when it comes to the mission of God. You're destroying this for your children. When you treat the church like a consumer, you're making them bored with church. When they were created for the mountains of ministry. They were created for mission, and you've got to engage them in that mission. And the worst thing to do is be a consumer in church. Come in, volunteer, get them involved in volunteering, and then get them engaged in the mission of God. Um, We have multiple things at our church. There might be some things at various churches, just how can we get families engaged in the mission? One of the things that we try to do in our student ministry is have kids at various stages in the student ministry involve mentoring and leading kids that are um, are younger than them. So they're not waiting until they get post-college to get involved in the, in the student ministries and kids ministries, they're doing it uh, along the way. That's just part of engaging them in the mission of God. The principle of, of, of preparing arrows that we're talking about certainly applies beyond international missions. But if I could take just a second to talk about that, because I think that's just really difficult for us as parents sometimes to think about. Um, drawing our kids back and, and releasing them out into places that are dangerous and that we don't, you know, um, we don't have a lot of control over. Um, I would just ask us as parents to consider that. Are we willing and are we eager for our kids to be swept up in the mission of God, even if it means that they are taken um, in many ways from us or away from us for, for parts of their lives? I know so many college students who in college sense a genuine call to the mission field, but their parents say, I forbid it because I don't want you to live apart from me. I want you to live close. And it's almost as if the kid has become part of their own dreams and ideas about their life, mm. life as opposed to realizing that the kid belongs to God. And this is sobering, y'all. But listen, our kids do not belong to us. At least they don't belong to us first. They belong to God. And the moment that I try to grab hold of and hold on to something that belongs to God, that works out badly not just for me, but also for the Mm -hmm. child, for the child themselves. Um, God gave us our kids. Think about this. According to Psalm 127, God gave us our kids for the purpose of the Great Commission.
1: A hero in my life has always been um, Anne Hasseltine. She was married to Adoniram Judson. Who was the
0: first American missionary.
1: Yeah. J.D. gave me a biography on Adoniram when I was in college, and it really was definitely used by God in my life to open my eyes and my heart to, to missions. And so she, um, when, when Adoniram went to marry um, Anne, he wrote um, to get permission from her dad. And he wrote this, and this is pretty amazing. I have now to ask whether you can consent to part with your daughter early next spring to see her no more in this, in this world, whether you can consent to her departure to foreign dangerous lands and her subjection to the hardships and sufferings of a missionary life. Whether you can consent to her exposure to every kind of want and distress, to degradation, insult, persecution, and perhaps a violent death, can you consent to all of this for the sake of him who left his heavenly home and died for her and for you, for the sake of perishing immortal souls, for the sake of Zion, heaven, and the glory of God? Can you consent to all this in hope of soon meeting your daughter in the world of glory with the crown of righteousness brightened by the acclamations of praise which shall resound to her Savior from lost nations saved through her means from eternal woe and despair? It'd
0: be tough to get a letter like that, wouldn't it? But it just reminds you that um, these children were given to us not to hold on to, but to release for the mission of God.
1: Yeah. One of the things that J.D. has um, over the years encouraged me slash (laughs) encouraged me to do is pray out loud with him that God would call one of our kids to at least one of our kids to be involved in the mission of God overseas to go overseas for the mission. And when we first started doing that, it was something I just had to make myself do that I didn't. I mean, it was really hard. I just didn't. I definitely didn't necessarily mean it with my heart, but as I've done it over the years, it's become real to me and something that that I love. And I really do. I really do want that. I really do mean for it to I want God to do that in our life. So it's been good for me to do that exercise.
0: Yeah, I I think it's good. I don't mean any of this to be trite. I just think we have to to really consider the fact that God gave me these kids for a purpose and that purpose was beyond me. Mm -hmm. And so my hands are always off. And I realize that they are an offering to God that I'm making. Now, one last, I think, comment I want to make on this verse before we you know, before we, we, we close up here. Um, Blessed is the man who has his quiver full of them. Let me just say that there is no right number, right size of a family that pleases God. And I hope that you would never hear me say, you know, well, if you have this many kids, then God's happy with you. And if not, that's less. I can't tell you that. And ne- nobody else should tell you that, th- that either. But I do want to point out, having said that, that we have a culture that increasingly sees children as a burden and as an encumbrance on the American dream. They're a financial burden or they're a travel burden. Oh, you can't go see as many movies. If you got kids at home, you got to arrange babysitters because it costs like $900 to go out for an evening if you got to arrange a babysitter and do all this stuff. And so the, the, the general wisdom today is, well, don't have many kids. You know, if you wait have any, time. just have, you know, just a, a, a few because they're going to mess up your life. I know couples who wait years to have kids until they're, you know, way past the first several years of their marriage because they just want to enjoy and get to know each other Um, because they're going to get in the way of their yuppie life. Uh, I, I can't tell you how many kids to have, but what I can tell you is that you ought to ask God how many kids he wants you to have because this whole thing is not about you. It's about, it's about him and you are to have kids for his purposes, not your own. The primary purposes, purpose of kids is not to accessorize our lives, if we're a disciple of Jesus, the primary purpose of kids is to extend His mission um, into the world. Um, we, uh, when, when Veronica and I, we have four children, uh, when we had had our third child, I felt like my quiver was full. I felt like uh, at no point in the week did I uh, was I like, I need something else to do. I need another mouth to feed. And so I remember we, we, had, this, you know, we had this dilemma because we're like, well, you know, so we knew that having and raising godly children was one of the greatest ministries you could have. But at the same time, my quiver, you know, felt full. So I was like, well, maybe should we have one more for Jesus? You know, like, <laughs> what, what do we do there? Um, and so we, we, we set April 28th, we set a day of prayer and fasting. And we fasted the whole day asking God what we should do about another child. We knew we could stop at three. Considering we,
1: adoption too. We, we, we were considering
0: international them. adoption or we could have, a, you know, another kid. And so at the end of the day, both of us, after fasting, felt like ah, we, we're kind of leaning toward international adoption. Um, went to bed. In a few years. Yeah, in, in a year. few years. Got up the next morning, Veronica says, I feel sick. She's pregnant. <laughs> and uh, we've been doing all the things you're supposed to do to not get pregnant. And I was like, I've never had a, a prayer answered that definitively, <laughs> that quickly. Um, but the reason I'm telling you that is because there's a mindset that we were approaching that fourth child with, and not is do we just do want another child, but is God wanting us to have another child because these these kids that He gives us are for His purpose. What does
1: God want for your life? That's
0: the big takeaway here is that God gives them as arrows for His purposes in the Great Commission. So so the point is that sending is not something that one department of your church does when they send out missionaries. Sending is to be built into the very fabric of your family. That's what we do as disciples of Jesus is we raise children to send them out into the Great Commission.
1: And it's not just supposed to be built into like um, a family with biological children. I mean, this no matter what, what state you're in, single, married, no kids, married with kids, whatever it is, um, that's, that's supposed to be for, for all of us. So, you know, if you, if you don't have children, if you don't have your children, children of your own, adopt, foster, find a way to be deeply involved in helping your church's families raise their kids to send them out. That is what God wants for you too.
0: Mm-hmm. Every community of God, the people of God, the church is responsible to raise a generation to send them out for the Great Commission. If you've got biological children, that's certainly one way you can be involved in it, but you could also be involved in it if you don't have biological children, um, what through, through adoption and fostering, or maybe just being really involved in mentorship, programs at your church or student ministry or children's ministry, sending the next generation is the responsibility of the entire body of Christ. Yeah. So why don't you take a few minutes and look at Psalm 127. Let's talk about, about what it means to have a quiver full of arrows and how we send them out.